welcome to the Wellbeing at Work podcast, where we help you optimize all aspects of well-being in the workplace. Hello, hello. So happy to have you here back with us. My name is Alejandra Hernandez. I am going to be your co-host today with Matthew Michael Komen. I'm here for the ride as well. Lovely. So today we are talking about why most corporate well-being programs fail. And this is such a big one because, I mean, we're biased. Obviously, we're in the corporate well-being space, and we really want to be able to share this information with you today so that you can hopefully choose a corporate well-being program that isn't going to fail, that is going to succeed, and that you're going to feel like, really, you got the results that you were looking for. And the other reason is if you have been completely, like, maybe jaded, maybe you did a corporate well-being program, and it did nothing like you thought, and you've just denounced all of them, our secret hope is that hopefully we can have you really reconsider on what it could look like and what allowed for that to fail and what could change moving forward. And so as we go into here, when companies include or implement a corporate well-being program and it flops, one of the biggest issues with that is that it usually generates a feeling of bitterness, a feeling of frustration from what we've seen. Companies will then go like, you see, that was a waste of time. That was a waste of money. They don't even care. They don't even use it. And it begins to create actually almost a sense of animosity, honestly, where people feel like they wasted something. And when I say people, I mean like company leaders, the ones who then advocated for the budget and for this to be implemented in the first place. And so what we really want to talk about is what are the biggest factors that lead into something like this succeeding? And in order to do that, we've got to talk about what are the things that have failed. And so number one is corporate well-being programs fail when leadership isn't actually bought in. When leadership bring in a corporate well-being program, but they don't actually believe in doing it themselves. They don't actually believe in what it could produce. It's just one of those things that maybe they're offering to hopefully just make people happy. So as a forewarning or as a tip for you, just notice your language and the language of other company leaders in a meeting as you're deciding on a corporate well-being program. If you're saying things like, oh, okay, you know, they've just been saying they want something like this. Let's just do it. It's not going to be that much. It'll just make them happy. Maybe you'll, maybe you might even say something like, oh, this might have them shut up for a little while. Like just pay attention to language in these meetings, because if you're hearing things like that, it's very likely because leadership isn't actually bought in. They're doing something that they think is going to help. They think will be able to produce some sort of result or else you wouldn't spend the time or the money on it, except you're not bought in. And when you're not bought in, culture, when we talk about culture here at Opti Wellbeing Solutions, we believe that culture starts at the top and goes makes its way down. Unfortunately, sometimes companies want to say at the top, leaders want to say what culture is, but it's not being shown and executed by them and they expect it to somehow happen if you just want to think of hierarchy from the bottom up. And that's not the way it works. And so when leadership isn't bought in, it's really difficult for a corporate well-being program to succeed. And the way that I've seen it, for example, at companies is there will be something like spirit week, you know, a fun way to build connection, laughter, have people engage, all these different things. And 
no one on the leadership side is included in it. No one wants to participate. So what you're actually doing as a leader when you do something like that is you're creating an us versus them. You're creating a division where you do these things, but we don't do these things, but we're just going to get it for you. Quite simply with the younger generations, meaning younger millennials and Gen Z, they're really disrupting what it means to be in such a hierarchy place. They want a leader that's going to feel like someone who guides them, mentors them, provides that kind of leadership professional development for them. And so it, it's not that there's, they want to see you as their equal, but that they want to be able to feel like you have their back, like you're connected with them and those things. And when you leadership are not bought in and you don't participate and you don't live by these things and you don't lead, lead by example and you don't speak on how wonderful the program is from experience, it creates more division than anything else. And then other people don't feel like they can spend the time on it, like they can actually take advantage of it. So that's one right there is leadership buy-in. So really consider, do you truly believe in the program? And do you believe that this could provide the results because you yourself can also participate in it and see that it would do something for your well-being? That's number one right there. Ole, that was beautiful. I have a addition to the importance of leadership buying in for all the listeners I will use a sports reference and <laughs> see where it goes from there. I make up that most of you will know who I'm referring to. I think leadership in general gets to be practiced and preached. So let's use Phil Jackson, the legendary coach of the Chicago Bulls and the Lakers, arguably the most legendary coach of all time. I realize that we're on the topic why most corporate well-being programs fail. However, this is relatable across everything. Phil Jackson implemented a well-being strategy with the Bulls. Mm. And in that well-being strategy, he was having them do Tai Chi, having them do meditation. Wow. And this was in the mid-90s. You know, you had some of the main guys on the team, Michael and Scotty included, if you watch uh, The Last Dance, which is the 10-part uh, docuseries, I think it's on Netflix. They were very resistant. However, mm. because Phil, as the leader and as the coach, was completely bought in and actually practicing these things in his own life, his players got to look up to that. His, mm -hmm. you know, employees to the extent got to look up to his form of leadership. So mm -hmm. I think it's actually impossible to implement a successful corporate well-being program if the leader isn't bought in. Fascinating story. I'm not well-versed in a basketball at all. And I really love this, especially considering, you know, the 90s. I mean, we're talking about 30 years ago. That's like, that's some trailblazing leadership right there, doing things differently. And how was, I'm assuming they played really well. Like, what was, what was the outcome? Like, you're laughing. I, <laughs> if you could I see love this. that you asked. <laughs> no, I love <laughs> that you asked that question. And I, I suppose, you know, I get to speak to everybody that's listening to this. So for more context, the 90s Bulls are arguably the, the greatest dynasty in the history of sports, let alone basketball. They won six championships in the 90s 
two three-peats in the Michael Jordan mm-hmm. era. And then Phil mm-hmm. took these same strategies to the Lakers, which had a three-peat in 99, 2000, 2001. This, it was a perfect embodiment. And Ali, I'm really glad you asked that question <laughs> because I realized some leaders may not have the Phil Jackson reference. So uh, he's yeah. a guy that's at the top of the sports world, but really, you know, the leadership transcends into any industry. So For sure. people can take that. Yeah. And I mean, we're talking about professional athletes. We're talking about the top of the top and how much was able he was able to do with the team with various strategies, but one of them being well-being, right? One of them being like, how do you center yourself? How do you really collect the energy that you have within, which I believe is a lot of what Tai Chi is really like, how do you cultivate that energy within? And how do you recenter when you miss a shot? And so, yeah, I really, I think that's amazing because if these kind of well-being strategies are proving to be effective and supportive for professional athletes, imagine what it does to your team as well well, where again, all, all of us are, are battling our own stressors. All of us are battling our own health issues. And so how do we begin to do the best that we can as a company leader to know that what can be produced out of this, which is why I also don't believe that it's not productive. I do believe these things are productive. I do believe that being able to use a corporate well-being program and choose the right one for you, which we have an episode on how to choose the right one for you, by the way, is so that you can choose one that's going to produce the kind of results that you know can happen if people feel centered and feel like their well-being is taken care of. Not because you're taking care of it, but because you're simply providing the space for people to be able to feel like their well-being is okay and not being at the kind of back burner of work, which I think is what it's been for a long time. Thank you for that. Amazing, amazing analogy to bring in for us. Now, the second, the second part that I have here is the program does not address your needs. And this is really important. And this is why here at Opti, the first step of our five-step process is discovery. Because we want to know what your needs are as a company leader in your company. Different companies have different needs. And so understanding your needs is important. And it leads to the success of a a company well-being program, a corporate well-being program, Now, when you don't understand your needs and when you're taking a corporate well-being program and just kind of sticking it into your company without considering those things, it makes sense that that is the reason why some of them fail. Some of them aren't being, and when I say fail, I'm talking about it didn't produce the results that you desired and people weren't engaged with it, which go together. If people aren't engaged with it, then you're not getting the results that you desire. When we look at what are the company needs that you have, it's important that you understand that. I'm going to go bold here and say you can't understand that without having conversations and being connected to your team members. One of the other things that's a problem is when you as a company leader decide what the problem is without communicating with the rest of your team. Like you're just looking from above and you're going, I think this is what the problem is, or this is the problem. And what I say to people when I talk to company leaders is what you think is the problem is not always what the problem is. You have to realize that as a company leader, the way people view you may be different and therefore the information that you receive from them may be different. You may not actually know exactly what's going on. When when I say boots on the ground, I'm talking about the employees that are directly reporting to you. They may not be as honest with you about what's really happening. And so that's number two is 
the program does not address your needs. So figure out what are your needs and how can a program address those needs? So if your needs are going to be maybe on the physical fitness side, or maybe it's going to be on the stress management side, or maybe it's going to be a well-being program that's all about delicious food, beverages, and snacks, like you have to see what it is that's going to work for you. And that is why our first step is always discovery so that we know that what we're delivering to you, whether it's optimizing your food, beverages, and snacks, meaning we deliver healthy, delicious snacks to you and people enjoy them as a perk, or it's going to be workshops on stress management or conflict resolution or whatever it may be, we make sure that we provide a solution that is according to your needs. And we support you in finding those as well, because we know that that can be kind of tricky. So that's number two. Ale, Mm -hmm. this is fun. And I have another real world example to bring into the conversation here. Mm -hmm. I have a colleague slash teammate of mine that works for uh, Activision that got acquired by Blizzard, which has produced the world's largest video game in the history of time, World of Warcraft, for any of the Mm -hmm. gamers out there listening. Mm-hmm. And they have implemented a couple different strategies for a well-being program, but I'm going to talk about the one that was actually successful so that the leaders listening to this podcast can take. And it plays on what you were just saying, which is perfect. At the start, the process was that they understood, they discovered what it is that their employees, and they have a lot of employees, I'm not sure the exact number, but what it is that they thought could actually benefit them in a well-being program. And from there, they decided on a program that has capabilities to fit any employee's needs. And then at the end of the, at the end, there's incentives, meaning if you do X amount of things in the breath work category, then mm-hmm. they get X amount of dollars. I, I'm not sure exactly what the incentives are, but some of it is beneficial towards their health insurance. And there's a lot of things that in talking to my colleague, he's shared that he doesn't use the entire program. However, he gets great benefit from the things that he stated that he needed and they're Mm -hmm. built into the program. Mm -hmm. So just to kind of build on the point that as the leader, you get to understand what it is that your group, that your company, that your team is looking for just to hammer that point in. Yeah. And I think too, is not everyone is going to take advantage of everything, right? And that's okay. It's how do you provide a program that's going to be the most suitable and have something that is available to anyone that desires to participate in it. So that's really great too. And the last thing, and this is probably, I want to say the most common leadership buy-in, I would say battles with this one in terms of the most common, because leadership buy-in is a huge problem that we see over and over again. The last one is lack of communication that the program's available. And it sounds really silly, but I really can't tell you how many times a company implements something that is meant to be beneficial to the employees and it's not communicated properly. In bigger companies, you know, they have positions completely dedicated to this, communicating change. People's entire roles are, these are the things that are changing. Your role is to ensure that we have a plan on how to communicate it. Now, I understand in a smaller business, usually you don't have a person who's completely dedicated to that. You usually have people that are kind of wearing a variety of different hats, playing a variety of different roles. So I understand that, but I I say that so that you see that big companies see the value in that and they have roles for that because it is important. Communication is key in 
anything, in any breakdown in culture, it's usually because of lack of integrity and communication, two big ones. So when we look at the program isn't being communicated, that is going to lead to its failure because it's like a business, for example. If people don't know that you're selling a certain thing, then people aren't going to buy it and you're not going to go well as a business. If you're single and you want to be, you know, find a partner for you, but you're not going out, you're not on any of the dating apps, you're not doing anything to really put yourself out there, it's going to be difficult to succeed in that. If you bring in a corporate well-being program, but it's not communicated properly and consistently, people won't engage with it and it won't be successful. So one of the most common things that I see companies do is they bring in a corporate well-being program, they send out one email and they're like, we have this corporate well-being program. We're so excited to deliver this to you. Here's the login. Here's this thing. Da, 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 da. One email sends out, poof. And then it's like done. There's really no communication after that. And then down the road, it might be something like, well, we have that well-being thing. Like, why aren't you taking advantage of it? It's because this needs to be properly communicated. If you just look at the three that I listed out, why corporate well-being programs fail, you're going to see one, lack of leadership buy-in. Two, the program does not address your needs. And three, the program is not being communicated. These are the three. This is why corporate well-being programs fail. So if you look at the opposite of that, number one, what's something you can do? Be bought into the program. Be the person that believes that this could truly support your employees in bettering their well-being which is why here at Opti, we're so passionate about delivering this information to you so that you can see that the impact that this has so that you can begin to see it for yourself if you haven't already. Be bought into the program, explore it. What are the things? What is the impact of stress? What does life feel like when you're able to manage your stress? What does life feel like when you enjoy the work that you do? What does life feel like when you feel like you have solid relationships with friends, when you feel like you're involved in the community? All these things, think about the impact that that has on your life and be bought in to the program that you're bringing in and that it will deliver to your employees and allow them to thrive. Two, understand what your needs are. Talk to your people. What are the things they're struggling with the most? And you don't have to go and ask them like, what kind of corporate well-being program do you think we should have? Because they're probably not going to know. So instead you ask questions. This is where things like coaching, like the background that all of us here at Opti Wellbeing have is in coaching because we believe in the power of coaching and what it can do. You ask powerful questions to understand your team members, to therefore provide what they need, to therefore produce the kind of results that other places aren't producing. So you understand what your company needs by having conversations with your team members, asking them, what are they struggling with the most? What do you think would provide you with the most support here? What could you see more from me that would change the way that you show up in this workplace? Ask these kind of questions. And in order for you to do this, you got to be able to build trust as a company leader. And then three, have a plan for communicating this program. If you're a smaller business, you might be able to have more like at your all staff meetings on a regular basis being like, Hey, you know, who participated in what this thing, and then make it fun. Like who participated in the workshop that was brought in by that company on stress management, or how's it been going with your stress management? You consistently bring this in in order to remind people that this is available. Another thing on success for communicating the program as well is you have a small group of like, find the people that are so for the program at the beginning. So you may have, a, depending on how big your company is, you may have a couple, you may have a few, you may have a few dozen, find the people that are like, this is so cool. 
school and incentivize them to use the program, encourage them to use the program because those people, those people are going to be the trailblazers that then lead the other people to join in too. Not everything that starts is going to have 100% buy-in from everyone. Honestly, I want to say most things aren't and that's okay. But where do you have the people that are bought in? Because when they're bought in and they get excited about it and they start doing it and they start feeling better and they start producing better results, other people are going to start looking at them. That's what leadership by example looks like. And that's why it starts with you. But you're going to have people on your team that are also going to do that. They're going to be the leaders that are going to trailblaze and bring this program into the other people by way of how excited they are by how they are improving and so forth. So that's the last one. How do you succeed through the three? Be bought in as a leader. Understand your company needs by asking questions and understanding what those needs are, not just from your mind, but from the minds of your team and communicate, have a plan for communicating it consistently so that people understand that this is available to them and so that they can begin to see that this could provide them with tremendous results. And these are the things to help have you succeed. So I hope that was helpful for you. I hope that it supports you in seeing maybe where a corporate well-being program that you brought in the past didn't go well and how it could look different in the future. Thank you for joining us. And I look forward to having you here with us again on our next episode. See ya. Bye. If you found this podcast valuable, we invite you to check out our free checklist, the five action items to optimize your workplace today. You can grab yours over at www.optiwellbeing.com. That's O-P-T-I wellbeing.com. Get yours now and we'll see you there.